Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. This is Trav. And this is Jonathan. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier. Your podcast of, I'm out of here. I'm not putting up with this anymore. And I'm going to go and take my dragon train off to the stars. See you later, scumballs. <laughs> Albert Finney over there needs to settle down. You're not my real dad. I'm going to go live with my real dad. <laughs> I don't have to listen to you. You're not my real dad. Oh, I, if I could have a nickel for every time someone said that to me at summer camp. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah, that was... Uh, I got really good at threatening people. <laughs> and this is the relatively quiet one, folks. Yeah, well, I mean, I was 18 years old, and uh, they were all from inner city New York. And I was used to going to a church summer camp for summer camp, and it was a whole different thing. Oh, you got schooled then. Okay, yeah. yeah. But anyways, uh, okay, welcome to Gaming on the Frontier. Uh, tonight we are talking about going rogue. And what that means and why do it. Uh, okay, so... Uh, I guess the very first question is is defining what it means to go rogue. Uh, Jonathan, you got some uh, got any ideas of what of an example of going rogue would be? Well, the the uh, the example I kept coming to my mind as we were discussing this this topic was um, if you've ever read Heart of Darkness or watched the movie based off of it, Apocalypse Now, Kurtz, Colonel Kurtz, the you know, guy who just forget my previous loyalties, forget my previous nation. I now rule this section of the wilderness outside jungle. of jungle, desert, whatever you want to be. It was but jungle. Yeah. It was definitely jungle, it was jungle in, the in, the, in the book and the movie. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's going out and setting yourself up as the new warlord, overlord, king of you know some micro nation of your own, you know, concoction. Okay, and why did he do that? I really don't know. Because he had power. Because he, he had a lot more, at least uh, from my knowledge of Heart of Darkness, it was he had more power as the king of this uh, primitive tribe than he ever did back in England. Well, he was like a colonel, right? And he was... Actually, he, I think in the book it was he, it was a, a merchant's uh, company, like a... Like, kind of an East India Company kind of things. Well, I'll say, I've, I've yeah. never read Heart of Darkness. I've only seen the movie, so... Yeah, it's been a while since I... In the movie, he was this, you know, uh, basically the way they put it was is that he's out there with, you know, no oversight, you know, no, you know, uh, no limitations, and we just can't put up with that sort of thing. Who knows what he's doing out there, you know? He's supposed to be making us money. They well, not really. He was supposed to even be a military man fighting the Vietnam War. Well, in the apocalypse now, yeah. 
The military really doesn't like it when their people just kind of go off and do whatever they, they want to do. <laughs> this is, seems to be something pretty standard for the military in most situations. So It's more for like CIA. Even the CIA, I mean, you know, <laughs> they you, still, yeah, well, I mean, if you've ever seen Bird Notice, I mean, he's all about, I got Bird, man, I got no cover, I got no nothing, I I got nothing at all except a couple of friends who owe me, and and I'm just, you know, and of course he's living living with his mom, <laughs> which was the best part of that. Oh, really? It was. She was she was awesome. She was sure. amazing. Yeah. If you haven't seen Burn Notice, yes. people go. It's. It was on USA, so I can't remember what. I guess Hulu would be the streaming service to find it on. There's lots of places you can find it. It's not. But a big yes, idea. it's it's perfect for any kind of top secret espionage. Because he's always saying, "This is how you run an op." You know, he's mm-hmm. all about giving you the skinny on how to do it. You know, and you might think it's this way, but it's really like this. You know, and I'm like, and, every, and I'm listening to it going, is he just totally blowing smoke at us? I mean, is someone making this up in the background? It's not really true. Or is this actually really true? So uh, I, I never felt like I was really educated by this, more entertained. So, yes. <laughs> and of course, the fact that it had... Uh, uh, Bruce Campbell in just made it all the more better. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, those of you who are are Bruce Campbell fans know what I'm talking about. Those who aren't, sad, sadly, you you, well, need, you, need, need you obviously need more Bruce Campbell. Yes, that's all it is. Yeah. That's all right. Yes. Okay. Anyways, all right. So, uh, so he's going rogue is br- can be breaking away from a strong you know, structure, authoritarian, authoritarian structure, like the military, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and we know lots of stories and things like that where, you know, you know, there's, there's so many things this, you know, things that have to work together, can't be shipped together. You know, there's all these foobar and all kinds of other types of things all coined by the military talking about how badly things are run in the military, which is really crazy because, you know, you'd think that they would be trying really hard to run things well, but apparently not. So, um, uh, it's really easy to imagine people getting really, really upset and wanting to leave. And we have a really good example of people doing that uh, in, uh, in, in in television and such, such as, you know, uh, Trav, tell us about the A-Team. Uh, well, in the, the old series, they were framed for a crime they didn't commit during the Vietnam War. So in the 80s, they were freelance operatives that helped people for money. And they were being hunted by the army at all times. Because they broke out of a stockade. Well, yeah. So not only were they, you know, framed for the crime, they also escaped to prison. So they still did something wrong by breaking out of prison. So, you know, they still were being chased for a legal reason besides being framed for i think a bank robbery in asia so and of course the 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 recent movie from like 10 years ago a little different they just updated it to the iraq war but Uh but yeah the a-team they they were good but they were considered federal fugitives because of the framing and then the escape you know in this particular case you know this was a group that got framed got betrayed you know in a sense got betrayed by their own their own organization and 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 
you know, and the sad thing was is that they were still loyal, okay, but they were forced to flee because they didn't want to spend the rest of their lives in, you know, in a maximum security prison for crimes they didn't do, you know, and and because of that, uh, they became a force for good uh, in uh, California primarily, uh, so... Uh, so they, they basically had to strike out into a new territory and rebuild, you know, uh, uh, rebuild their situation. You know, I don't want to use the word organization because they were always just that squad and really not anybody more than that. But they had to get resources. They had to uh, figure out how to communicate with people to get jobs and things like that. So there was some rebuilding they had to go on, you know, and it was because they were literally trying to, you know, keep from, you know, being punished for something they didn't do. So that's, uh, you know, so that's one thing you could you know, leave, you know, some formal organization. Um, you know, the the classic uh, thing in D and D is where you basically everybody just kind of leaves the village. You know, uh, you 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 basically uh, outgrow your 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 little uh, you know a bucoic town, and you want bigger and better things, and so you strike out, you know, for uh, some place that is you know more exciting, more opportunities, and of course more danger, you know. Uh, that's you know it that in itself isn't going rogue, okay. But if your family was expecting you to like inherit the farm. Or they were expect you know you're the you know you're the captain of the guard. They were expecting you to protect the town. The runaway prince leaving the right. If the mage was supposed to take over for the, you know the 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 elderly mage in town, and suddenly you're just leaving all that behind, saying nah nah you know we we're you know uh, you know as nice as all that sounds okay you know. Uh, I, I'd rather be a small fish in a big pond who can turn into a really big fish rather than a, uh, a, a, you know, basically a small fish in an even a tiny pond where it seems like I'm a big fish. So, uh, so that's one reason to go rogue. I mean, essentially when you go rogue, you know, you're going to upset people. And I think that that has to be part of it. You know, the GM and the players have to work together to create some kind of, of uh, you know, scandal. You know, maybe the scandal is why they're leaving. The scandal could be that they're leaving. But there has to be some kind of a uh, falling out, let us say, with, you know, with your current situation. The princess, or at least the, 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 the noble uh, daughter, fleeing an arranged marriage. Okay. So, yeah, like uh, trying to avoid something that you kind of have been raised for, so to speak, or that you're su you're supposedly destined for, trying to escape that. What about uh, either changing your religion or just leaving your religion? Just you know, you you come up with heretical ideas, and the uh, and in your your religious organization basically you know, is coming after you with pitchforks or they want to re-educate you and bring you back in line, but you don't want them to because <laughs> you, 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 either you know what that means or you really, really like what it is that you're thinking about now. 
Well, if you're and if you're talking about a, a fantasy campaign, you you're you could be receiving your instructions from your god is themselves. You know, your your heresy could actually be what you know was the intended path. Right. Yeah. Yeah, maybe they got maybe they got off track, and you have the one true way. But how are you going to convince anybody of that? Maybe a small group, right? You know, the you know the, the party, you know, is willing to throw in with you, but you're the one receiving the special knowledge. So, it's you know, it's that means you're going to have to be the de facto leader, right? If if that's what your party's up for. Well, I mean, uh, or yeah. it, it could be one of those things where, you know, everybody receives the revelation at the same time. You know, uh, you know the, the, the crystal falls from the sky and a voice comes from inside and it says, mortals, there is a, a terrible you know, tragedy that's approaching you and you must solve that problem. You know, and, uh, and there's actually a television show that, that, that did that. It was called The Star Lost. And uh, even though um, uh, the, the the main writer for the show actually hated it because of what they did, uh, and that's Harlan Ellison, the idea behind it was pretty solid, which was they were a uh, uh, they were basically on a uh, giant generation ship uh, that had run into some kind of a problem, and the crew was gone, and people were just sitting in their little. Uh, uh, environmental bubbles that were like supposed to be like 50 miles across okay originally a small group discovers that we're just floating through space and we're heading for a star and we're gonna die die within the next you know 20 30 years if we don't somehow get this ship underway and then they're trying to convince you know their the powers to be that that this is happening and they get a very cool reception. So essentially, they are uh, they're they're breaking with their traditions. They're break the the world mind, you know, of of the people they're with, saying no, no, you know, you're not really, you know, the the world isn't really fifty miles across. This is just one of many worlds. And they're all like, you know, uh, you sick in the mind. How. Dare you break the status quo? Yeah, how dare how dare you? You know, say that our true speakers in the book, you know, is uh, you know because there's always like some book, right? That's this you know either there's this guy who basically has been passing down the knowledge, or there's this book that that you can't disagree with. But here you are disagreeing with it because you've got you know to you prima facie evidence, but. You can't you can't convince anybody like that because until you literally drag them through you know out out the uh, airlock to the next uh, to the next dome and show them that there actually is another fifty mile wide dome over there with different people in that you know then no one's going to believe you and you have to get these people to help you because you're as a group you're too small to. You know, in, in at least in the scenario of the Star Lost, they were too small to actually get the ship going again. So they were going to have to eventually get together a crew. But first, which was the, the 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 first season, you know, goal was to get to the bridge and try to figure out, you know, how to get the the ship systems operating, and then they could think about getting a crew together. But uh, 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 the show did was very poorly received. <laughs> it only had about, you know, five or six episodes before it was canceled. Hmm. It, the concept was good. It was, um, 
it uh, the original story uh, was called Phoenix Without Ashes, and um, it, Harlan Ellison uh, wrote the screenplay and got a what, like a nebula or something for it. But uh, he he, uh, he basically totally uh, <laughs> had nothing good to say about the television production of it because people he was talking to science people who were not science fiction people who kept saying, "Well, we we we, we don't." You know, we don't know how to render a 50-mile-wide dome, so we'll just make it five miles wide. He's like, you can't do that! How's that going to work? Because when they're hiding, it's like, we all, the, the number of people that were in the dome, all they had to do was link arms and walk across the dome, and they would have found anybody who was hiding. But 50 miles across, there were places you could hide, because there, you, were, you couldn't do that. It's like the Million Man March. You know, the Million Man March was great, except that... You know, it wasn't a single line of people from one continent to the other side of the... It was like groups in major cities and such, so it wasn't quite the uh, what they were hoping for. But you were talking about where they want, they want you to uh, marry somebody and you don't want to. It can be the reverse too, right, uh, uh, Jonathan? Where you can, uh, you can marry somebody who totally goes against the cultural uh, norms. Yeah, you weren't supposed to marry that person. No, 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 no. That's wrong. Yeah, that person that person has the wrong number of appendages. <laughs> I was going to go to say that that person worships the wrong god, but that's also a possibility. That's also, yeah, well, I mean, you know, we have lots of examples in the real world. Jews uh, don't like it when their people marry uh, people of other faiths. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're pretty okay with you converting to Judaism and getting married to somebody within, uh, but uh, not the other way around. <laughs> so yeah, uh, and of course, the uh, in a fantasy setting, you could marry an entirely different race. Uh, in 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 history, it's been more along the lines of you married somebody that was uh, the wrong color, or the wrong gender. Or even just the wrong economic class. Well, that that's that's another one too. You know where you you marry beneath your station mm-hmm. <gasps> in the family. Oh heavens! Well, we had in you know India the whole caste system that was only abolished maybe in the past twenty five years. I mean, obviously societally it probably still is going on. Yeah, it really doesn't. It really hasn't been abolished. Yeah, I mean legally, legal. yeah, but culturally it's probably still going yeah. on. Well, there's so, yeah. uh, the people that are called the Untouchables. Okay, yeah. that that's actually a, a recognized group, and they it's that's all still in place. Uh, if you're somebody who's not an Untouchable and you commit a crime against an Untouchable, you're pretty much going to get off. You know, they the the the, the, the there's a, s- a separate legal system for the Untouchables versus everybody else, and you have to agree to be tried in an untouchable court or they can't even they can't even uh, do that oh jeez it's you know it can be really bad and it's really bad for women because you know they uh, you know in a lot of countries they don't you know they're already second class citizens and if you're a second class citizen of an already um, disadvantaged group it's it can be pretty dire yeah so that's uh and that's still going on in a lot of countries you know and so China, um, you know, uh, Iraq, uh, Iran, 
uh, lots of places, you know, uh, you know, you get married to that person and now you're fleeing because, you know, the easiest way for the family to resolve this problem is to kill your spouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Can't or, be married if they're dead. Or trump up charges against them and get them carted off. You know, so one way or another, it, it, happens. it works out pretty well, you know. And, of course, leaving, you know, gives you the advantage if you go to a new location and nobody knows you there, then, you know, you can have some kind of peace. But, you know, in a campaign set, that's okay with a story. But in a role-playing game, you know, you got to be going someplace for the purpose of doing maybe the same thing you did before, but under more interesting circumstances. Sometimes the, the reason you go rogue is because uh, you find out that whatever the principle was that you were abiding by, the main reason why you were doing what you were doing, turned out to be a lie. Turned out to, there was a, there was a conspiracy and the scales had fallen from your eyes. Things like social injustice, um, things like family uh, values, finding out that you know, our, our, our fortune was built on a huge pile of bodies, you know, and but it's the same time, the whole time you were all going, oh, yes, we're the, we're the great and noble so-and-sos. We bring light to the world and... Yeah, and you find out that you, there's a very, very dark uh, past, and, uh, it may, and you may not be willing to, uh, um, to live under that. You might say, I'm not going to carry on as a, um, you know, uh, as a Farnsworth. I'm going to, you know, I'm giving that up. I'm going to be my own self and let the chips fall where they may. And I'm going to take my, you know, whatever I, I can with me and go. Make my own way in the world my on my terms. Yeah. yeah. Not standing on a pile of bodies. Right. right. You know, and in Fringeworthy, uh, they had a term for it. Uh, uh, they called it was it was usually they refer to it as walkabout, where sometimes after you were out on the fringe paths a long enough period of time, you just get this wanderlust, lust I should say, and you just take off. You just like you know everybody would hop into the vehicle and start heading down the road, and uh, they turn around and you were in the vehicle and you came back, you weren't there. You'd gone through another portal or something. They couldn't find you. Years later, you might show up, you know, looking very different. Uh, in one particular case, it happened with uh, one of the um, early, um, uh, you know, like the, t not Team Zero as we described it in the French Ray, but the, like the, some of the groups, the teams that happened right after the beginning. Uh, if you know who Chris Bating is, uh, his character, uh, it was actually written up in um, uh, in the Infinite Crossroads. Uh, but he basically talked about the fact that when they found, uh, when people found out what happened to Sayuri, the girl that was basically the very first Fringeworthy Explorer uh, outside of uh, uh, Captain, Oates. Uh, Captain Oates, but the one, the modern one, and how because she had come into contact with um, Schmert uh, and and been gifted with all this information that that would come out in dribs and drabs, she had essentially been under house arrest for and really couldn't couldn't go anywhere. She was always being watched, always being controlled. 
And when some people found out that, you know, she was essentially um, in a gilded cage, she was a yeah, prisoner. Yeah. She was a prisoner. They basically said this IDET, this this IDA is not, you know, is not worth, you know, we, we are not, you know, uh, you know, we are not spreading, you know, the the a a a, bit, a better way we are just propagating uh, um, an injustice you know and 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 taking advantage of 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 injustice being done to her in order to keep us alive out here and I'm just not willing to do it and so basically he turned around and just walked off you know one day or rode his got on his bicycle and rode away or whatever he did left for years. And in the story, someone's basically interviewing him and he's talking about the life that he made on one of these alternates and, you know, and, and talking about how this is what he did and, and, and this is, and he's very happy with his life now because he's, you know, he doesn't feel like he's compromising himself just by being part of the organization. So, you know, this is the, this is the backstory that causes you to go rogue, okay? But, you know, once you do it, okay, then you're going to have to deal with what that means. You know, what's what's the next step? So, Jonathan, how is going rogue different at the start of a new campaign than basically deviating in the middle of an existing campaign? Well, if you're going rogue at the start, it's, it's sort of that fresh, um, you're already kind of fresh. You don't have a lot of resources or loyalties or obligations holding you down uh as far as within a campaign that's going to be the easiest time to do it without disruption or at least major disruption to the storyline later in a campaign though you're you you probably have npc you might have some npc hirelings that you have to deal with you might have some uh patrons who aren't happy to see you go right you may have made oaths to certain people mm -hmm. that you're going to have to break. But that said, that can be the more interesting because then you do have that disruption and that can be major plot points for your story and your campaign. Oh, yeah. So as one is easier to deal with, but one's much more juicy and, and interesting to deal with. Right. It's more complicated. Mm -hmm. And I love complications. If you like messy backstories... You know, and people showing up from your past and, you know, uh, you know, making demands of you and other other characters uh, because of of uh, things that that should have happened that didn't happen because you weren't there to do it. Well, then, uh, yeah, uh, doing it in the, uh, making a major change from a campaign is is probably the better way of going. Yeah. But the uh, but, you know, if you're if you're a new player. Uh, or if you're just trying to do something new and you don't want to carry all that baggage, as you, as, as you said, uh, Jonathan, then yeah, the uh, uh, just basically starting a new campaign with characters where this is written up in their backstory, but you haven't actually gone out and gone on all kinds of missions. You actually don't have the you, know, you haven't had these dialogues in story. You know what I'm saying in in you know with in in, in playtime. You know, so it's it's a little it's a little easier to do that because I I, I knew when I was running D and D every so often I would do things like I'd say, oh by the way, your sh your your brother just showed up, and they're all like, what? <laughs> so, 
I don't have a brother. I said, yes, you do. You have like four brothers. So we rolled it, remember? Uh, no, it's like, it's on your character sheet. Oh, oh. I get the, you know, the section on the third page back on the backside that no one ever looks at. You know, your backstory, the part you never look at. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, I mean, family things is like, you know, usually uh, his, historically uh, the way things went uh, is, is that the firstborn son inherited the, the estate. The secondborn went into the military. The thirdborn went into the priesthood. And the fourthborn was basically screwed. <laughs> so you know, if you're he was he was like a spare something. Yeah, you know. maybe could be marriage potential to form an alliance. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah, you, you marry yeah. that fourthborn off to to somebody to strengthen the uh, uh, you know to strengthen things. You know, to, to strengthen the other things that are going on. Okay, because not all you know religions require. Uh, you know, everybody, priests, for example, to not marry. You know, there's, there's lots of them to do allow them to marry. So uh, that, that you can use that kind of leverage a lot. And this, this was very common amongst the, uh, uh, the British, uh, ex except for the priest part, uh, and uh, the Russian with the Eastern Orthodox um, and the uh, Chinese uh, with all their families and, and various religions. And such. So this is, you know, this is the way it was done. Okay, and which is why I'm saying, well, you know, there's a lot of opportunities for going rogue because, you know, if if you're the first one and you don't want to inherit the farm, okay, I I, I assure you the second board would love to inherit the farm usually because it's where all the money is. And uh, so when you leave, uh, it's not going to be like the prodigal son where the father goes and says, all right, fine, I'm just going to split it down the middle and you here's and, and here's your property and you can go and sell it and, and do whatever you want to with it. Uh-uh. You don't want to be, you don't, you don't want to inherit, you're out. <laughs> it's all or nothing. You're not my son anymore or That's my that. daughter. Hey, look, there's the door. Yeah. yeah. You know, these, these are those kinds of obligations we were talking about. When you bring these family members in, they almost always show up with you know lots and lots of, of trouble for you okay either you know with an obligation you didn't want that you're already running away from or b you were uh it's uh, they're in trouble and they want you to fix it <laughs> or c they're just you know they just basically you know the, under the best circumstances you know you uh you basically put them to work for you okay and uh as hirelings and 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 uh, and henchmen, and they could be, and it could be really good that way. But that's usually not the route that most people go that I've ever seen in my uh, years of, of of playing various games. Most people do not try to bring in their family members. They they try their very best to to distance themselves from their family members as much as possible. This may be the fact that most people who play games you know, historically have been in the teen to early 20s, a, a time period when a lot of players were trying to distance themselves from their family members. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a lone wolf. There might have been a subtext going on there that made the difference. My yeah. family were all killed. Yes. Oh, yours too? I'm an orphan. Yeah, we're all a bunch of orphans. <laughs> I have no family. I just have a pet rat. <laughs> yeah, that's almost, un it's almost impossible 
because there's always cousins and uncles and you know whatever you know yeah so. let's say you did decide to do something radically different okay as a as a new campaign so can you give me an example of a radical change where you're going rogue uh at the beginning of a campaign you know what i'm saying is that what was the, what was the campaign like that you were doing before you went rogue and 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 in, in the new campaign for example let's say it was a police type campaign and you get framed wrongly and you got to hit the streets and go into hiding and something like that you mean so you're saying that's your premise that's that's how you're going rogue is that what you're saying what would you find exciting as a you know, as the method of going rogue. When you say, I'm I'm going rogue in this new campaign, then what would that mean for you? Uh, and you're saying, if, if you're coming from a mill, uh, let's say you were all police, the previous campaign was you, you know, being police officers and uh, dealing with, um, you know, I don't know, uh, uh, various, you know, you know policing uh, gangs and, and, you know, like crime busters. They're, yeah, they're, it's a game. You know, and you're basically you've been uh, you're federal agents and whatever like that, busting criminals and things like that. Then you says, okay, we're gonna go rogue for this next campaign. So what are you doing that would basically be going rogue? What would what would jazz you up? Are you mean it's a new campaign arc or stopping and starting a new campaign? That's what I'm. No, we're, we're stopping. Okay. That was that was what you were doing in the last campaign, but in this campaign, you're going rogue. So if you're going rogue, you're you're, you're basically pushing back against something. Okay, you're. I I figured this was a transition in the middle of a campaign. This is stop and start. Okay. That would be where you would be, you know, uh, deviating from an existing campaign. That would be the later one. But if you were starting off at the beginning. In other words, you're creating new characters, okay, and the characters that were there before, they're now all NPCs. Still, the thing that comes to mind is having been framed for a crime. Okay. You're just, you're the wrong place at the wrong time, and, you know, it's like the fugitive. You're, you're basically, you know, in, in, you know, in the police, okay, and you got framed for something, and now you're going to go, you're, you're going to go a different route than obviously, you know, following the orders and, and policing areas and patrolling and stuff like that that you did that that you did before in the pre in the in the previous campaign what are you going to do now you know what is it you want to do that, that is you going rogue well as i said you could be civilians and you're just in the wrong place at the wrong time and now now you're you have to give up your life you have to give up your your livelihood, you have to say goodbye to your family and friends, and it could be like an Incredible Hulk-type camp, you know, the old Bill Bixby, where you're on the run, and it's a new town every week, and you're trying to, you know, keep one step ahead of the law, and you get drawn into stuff. It could be a good campaign. You know, it, yeah, it just, you're, it'd be kind of a travelogue campaign, because it'd be, oh, the location of the week, and you run into a problem. and But yeah, that would be something different your your life has been totally upended it's kind of like sort of like the nightbane game from palladium where you have a normal life and all of a sudden you become you become a nightbane and you're on the run because now people caught you someone caught you turning into this inhuman monster and now you gotta you know you've got the entire government the military and the police after you because they're taken over by 
the Night Lords. So yeah, that would be a good rogue campaign because you're fighting basically for your life against this beachheaded establishment. Okay. I can think of two other options. One is where you become criminals. Of your own of your own accord. You just say You embrace the criminal way. You basically said, I tried being a good, honest cop. You see what that got me. Now I'm gonna be a wise guy. Okay? And I'm I'm gonna embrace the criminal way and do that. Okay, and uh, basically thumbing my nose at all the things that I uh, I otherwise would have tried so hard to protect and everything else. So you know you can start kneecapping to your heart's heart's desire. <laughs> Which Shepherd Book and Firefly said that the Bible is kind of shady on. Yeah, yeah it <laughs> doesn't say a whole lot about uh, uh, shotguns to the kneecap. Yeah, yeah. What was it? It's mm-hmm. like Shepherd. Isn't there something pretty definite about killing in the Bible? Yeah, but it gets shady on the concept of kneecapping. Yeah. Um, <laughs> with going rogue, it does at the beginning of a campaign. In a way, it's less work and more work. And I guess the best way to describe why is um, you don't have as much bad blood that you you know, originally built up in the campaign. Like, oh yeah, we were these good guys for all this time. And now, you know, we have all of this back baggage that we have to deal with because we've established all these contacts and now we've thrown them all away after playing for eight levels. But starting fresh, a new campaign, I suppose it'd be a little easier in a way, in a little harder in a way. Yeah, it'd be harder and easier, depending. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what I mean. And I'm, I'm trying to pick my words here as far as why it would be both easier and harder. Well, easier because you haven't role-played with all these good contacts that you now have to basically just throw away and evade and hope they don't turn you in. But also, you get to build your bad contacts now without so much of the hard-earned role-play of being good guys. You're starting off as bad guys. Well, you, you get to make contacts with people that you otherwise would not have made contact with. Cops don't don't get in bed with drug dealers, for example. You know, yeah. But you would get in, in bed with a drug dealer because, you know, hey, uh, we, we're not restrained that way anymore. Okay? Yeah. So you have a lot of freedom in that regard. Uh, another uh, thing that I thought about was... Okay, you know you're become you're going the opposite direction, becoming a bad guy, but you still, you know, because you've gone rogue, all right, you still have this connection back to the original organization. So you can make as one of your long-term goals is to basically create sting operations to to basically screw over the corrupt you know, cops or whoever it is that made you want to go rogue. You know, give, give them their comeuppance. Bring down the system. Well, just not really break down the system. I mean, that'd be great, but that, you know, we're not talking about a revolutionary. More along the lines of, we just, we some payback. Mm, mm. If you knew people that were actually doing good and something that you probably wouldn't want to screw with them because you're leaving because you got screwed over. I am thinking Fusco from Person of Interest. He was a corrupt cop. 
He was, um, well, brought on board by John Reese. And so, yeah, he was still dealing with HR and all these other forces in the NYPD that were corrupt as hell. But in the end, you know, he brought them down and ended up redeeming himself and became, you know, this is over the course of like three and a half seasons, became a hero. Uh But he, I mean, he even was corrupt. He did some dirty things in his day. Right. And so he had that backing of being evil until Reese had him in the first episode, you know, back gun to the back of Fusco said, you work for me now. You're still going to play the dirty cop, but if you screw me over, you know, you're going to go for a ride out to Oyster Bay, you know. So, yeah, that that that's what it reminds me of, where it's like staying operation type stuff. That was the best example I could think of was Lionel Fusco. Yeah, well, I think that's a good one. Uh, because, you know, remember, if you, if, you know, this is a role-playing game. You want it to be exciting, so you have to give yourself a goal that's going to feel good when you pull it off. Okay, so being able to, you know, essentially bring justice or just hurt the people that did you wrong, you know, as a rebel, you know, as a, you know, uh, is is going to make you is going to is going to feel good to the player. So it's okay to go ahead and do that. You know, you might want to do something as simple as, you know, so and so is actually dirty, you know. Um, and, uh, you might say, Hey guys, uh, we know where he lives. Let's just like drop in on him tonight and drag him around the back of his house and break his legs. Now you're not going to be lawful good characters doing this. No, no. It's you're sending a message. Okay. And if you want to tell him that it's us, you know, and uh, we're doing this because of what was done to us, and we know you're dirty, and so we're doing it to you. And you just want you could go ahead and pass that message around that uh, if we see you, you know, you know, we know where you all live, you know, uh, if we see you, we're going to uh, uh, we're going to take some action. But the you know, but it'd be better for everybody if you guys would leave us alone and stop trying to capture us. You get that kind of thing going on. You know, so you you get you get to be a real you know badass essentially sometimes as a as a rebel. I kind of did that, and it was my one campaign, basically mixing Farscape and the Eberron setting, where the Readrians, who are the psionic people on the other side of the planet of Eberron, if you're familiar with the setting, please refer to the episode adding for enjoy the Eberron. Um, it basically was they they were escaped slaves from other D&D worlds. And so, oh, no, they were a lot of them. The leader of the team was lawful evil, a drow female cleric. She was the leader. And so the moral compass, sadly, in this campaign was a kender. Do oh, the math. <laughs> Do the math. And just, yeah, it was, they, they did that. It's like, okay, we know how you operate. We have one of your prized crystalline ships. Uh, we have your weaponry and we have one of your offers here, basically my NPC equivalent to Aaron soon. And just, it's like, and we have one of your people. Now you can keep messing with us 
or you know you can just let us live our lives and it it got nasty it it got where you know a city was destroyed but that that's another story um yeah and they were just they went rogue because they just were given the opportunity to have the ship and be on their way so yeah it 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 is fun doing it <laughs> you got to be careful yeah you got to be careful you, you don't want to um, uh, indulge your basis desires as players, okay? You know, because I've heard about people playing evil campaigns and they do terrible things, okay? And I'm like, uh, you know, I, I don't see that as being a rebel or going rogue. I see that, I mean, it, it, it can't happen. You can go rogue from your organization and descend. But if you do that, then there are... I think that as a as a GM, you'd want them to try. You would move them on to some kind of a path of redemption as well, but as part of their going rogue. But ultimately, I think when you go rogue, you know what's most fun is where you you basically turn it on its head, and still do the things that you like doing, you know, heroic deeds or making lots of money. All the things that you play, your role-playing games for, you're doing it, but you're doing it kind of from an anti-hero standpoint. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license, no commercial reproduction, and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.